Welcome to the Soul Savvy Podcast, your home to sneaker culture, community, and connections. Our goal is to provide you with industry insights that you can't find anywhere else, as well as news and stories from the people who helped build sneaker culture into what it is today. From designers to photographers to brand experts, we give you the real scoop on what's going on in the sneaker world as it relates to you the consumer. Welcome to another episode of the Soul Savvy Podcast. My name is Marco Henry Negrete. Today I'm joined by our CEO and co-founder, DP. DP, how's it going? Good, good. I'm very excited to talk about this because I feel like it's a it's a subject that people get worked up about. Um, you're, you're either on one side or the, uh, or the other. And um, I know where I stand, but you have some valid takes as well and points to be made. But um, yeah, let's let's dive in. Yeah, I mean, so social media and it's, uh, you know, influence on sneaker culture, like there's a, there's a new headline every day. But this one definitely cut a little deeper for a lot of sneaker heads. And we were talking about pre-orders, just the concept of it. And let's just dive right into Kith times Clark's times Adidas. Uh, definitely caught people by surprise, adding a, you know, every time you do a three brand collaboration you're going to make some noise but this was yep. definitely on a different scale you got yep. the crep outsole on the sambas and everyone was excited about it and then whether it was intentional or not on launch around launch day oh by the way pre-order four to six months and uh, we're a little bit in the pre-order business ourselves with soul savvy and our joint venture with garrickson which we'll touch on in a little bit but i want to know from you what your initial reactions were when you saw that that p word the pre-order next to a major major talked about launch my reaction was positive because i actually didn't realize i lost the raffle mm. and didn't didn't win um i thought the price on these was a little high but we won't bother diving into that um and ultimately i saw the pre-order opportunity and i went great i was actually driving in the car to garrickson when i when i found out that it was a pre-order um shout out to to hess i saw the update in slack and there was a sense of relief because I was like, oh, shit, I got to get ready for the first come, first serve drop of any like extra pairs or remaining inventory or whatever they're doing um, for Friday at, at 10 a.m. Eastern. And it turned out to be a pre-order. And I was just instantly like, oh, all right, I can relax. I'll have some time to think about this and make an informed decision and ask myself, do I actually want these now that it's guaranteed I'll get them? Or was something else driving my my interest in them? And it an hour passed by because I was like, oh, I'm in no rush. And I pre-ordered them because I was like, you know what? Really dope collaboration. I don't own um, a lot of Adidas. I don't have a single Samba. Um, really wide foot. These look like they're a little bit more friendly. And I just thought it was a beautiful shoe. And I also wanted to support this because um, for me, there's no, it's no real losers in this other than resellers. Agree. And we have to take a look at the broader landscape of sneaker releases in 2023 before we even begin to understand what might have motivated kit to do this um or what might be motivating the reactions from the sneaker community and we are seeing the most inconsistent unpredictable wave of staggered releases in the yeah. history of sneakers as far as i'm concerned or at least in the digital age yeah, we have sure. delays we have what i'm not even sure aren't intentional delays when it comes to waves and shock shocks etc where are we right now dp from soul savvy expert release um perspective on just the state of sneaker releases it's kind of chaotic um, you know, we've been talking internally about about how does Soul Savvy help, and part of it is simplifying this whole process because it it is chaos, right? You've got 
obviously delayed shipments, but sometimes, like you said, brands just delaying releases to to delay them. We've got stores not shipping for four weeks after a release, which is frustrating people. There's logistical issues happening that are contributing to the problem. But there's also, um, really simply put, staggered releases. And shout out to Juan for, for pointing this out. I saw him on his Twitter thread and he was 100% right. It's now been kind of a drip campaign of inventory um, mm-hmm. from brands. The White Cement 3s, we had a shock drop, early access, launch day. Obviously, in between that, there was raffles. Um, the Amamanye 12s be released in four different formats. So there's a lot, a lot going on. And what we saw from um, Ronnie on Thursday, Friday was, again, to your point, we don't know if it was intentional, right? Was it planned? Or did they look at it and see, we have, I don't know, I would imagine a couple thousand pairs were made of this thing at, at the minimum. And they looked at the raffle demand and went, wait a minute we could sell five times more pairs and these shoes are going to resell for maybe five, six, $700. Why would we do that? We don't need the perceived value of this shoe or the hype to be this high. We're leaving money on the table. I'm going to imagine they were surprised by the data that was coming in, not that this was staged and really made an informed business decision, which if I'm Clarkson Adidas right now, and you're telling me I can sell more units guaranteed money up front, and not waste materials and there's environmental impact to all this why why wouldn't you do it at that point and um i think this is a natural evolution of like gather data for a release and continue making this informed decisions around how to actually end that release like when does it finally end because right now i'm looking at a screen um for the dornbecker romero fives right these went from 200 basically retail on the secondary markets no one wanted them to a couple of viral instagram posts and social media posts to now being like the hottest shoe Mm -hmm. um, on the internet and they're sitting here about to restock on dtlr at some point and i'm going well damn that really sucks if you don't know if you're not in the know right or you you don't have drop alerts or you're not paying attention to that stuff like it's 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 really spread apart and again i'm looking at this from a dornbecker perspective if i'm nike the the money goes to charity if if I'd buy another pair right now from Dornbecker or Nike, if they said, "Hey, we're gonna make more," it'll be six months because I I like this shoe enough, right? Um, so yeah, sneakers is very fragmented, and I think this is something that can help potentially alleviate um, some of the challenges for consumers. Yeah, the two the two key words in that entire explanation to me were Clark's and Adidas because <laughs> people are saying, "Hey, if there's so much demand for the lost and found ones, why doesn't Nike turn around and do this?" The answer is pretty simple. And I'm not hating on Clarks or Adidas at all. I'm looking at the entire yeah. sneaker market. Everyone is going through tough times all the way up to Nike. So if you're a Clarks and Adidas, Adidas, you know, you haven't had a major win in a while. You're doing something new. You're crossing over into sneaker culture again from Clarks. I don't know how well received the original Clark silhouette that Ronnie did was. I know I had a big moment when it came. I had never seen anybody wearing that shoe in person. Again, I'm not hating at all. I'm, I'm looking at it from the perspective of these brands. Why not do it? But yeah. on the other flip of that, when you when you ask brands or even like Adidas and Ronnie, Ronnie drops hot stuff all the time. He, that opportunity is, is more or less there um, on a lot of these drops, but we don't see brands do it. But that's because there is an incentive for a shoe to sell out and to a certain extent be unattainable, mm-hmm. but kudos to the brand. If your theory is correct and saying, Hey, this is not one of those opportunities. Mm-hmm. This might, this is a strike while the iron's hot. Let's make this one of the best shoes of the year. 
because they'll they'll ship by the end of the year, you know, without delays. So it's like, why, why not turn what was supposed to be a small moment into a massive moment? So kudos to them. If that's what maybe this is the plan all along. But what I'm looking at from there is like I see the argument all the time. It's an age old sneaker Twitter argument. It's yeah. like everything should be pre-sale. Like, why doesn't Nike do this? And I'm just like, do you guys not get that these big brands like they they don't want everybody to have the shoe? It's simple, simple as supply and demand. That's the hype that which sneaker culture currently thrives through right so it it always has right yeah. and it's like look it there's no arguing this you give a sneakerhead you make something super accessible to a sneakerhead they don't want it anymore like we're literally it's happening right now with the amama oh, money man. 12s. it's tough amama money 12s amazing need 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 everyone's selling them everyone's trying to move 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 on from them which yeah. is obviously unfair but again there's a there's a supply and demand dynamic that's that's tough to um that's tough to understand but uh from a brand perspective they get it they know what they're doing right and i think your point around adidas and clarks is, is fair and we talk about this with soul savvy the joint venture of the soul savvy four it is in our best interest yep. that the most people possible are wearing it and are seen wearing it to help establish that shoe or that silhouette or that brand in in the culture right what good does it do Clarks and even Adidas at this point without Yeezy if people aren't wearing their shit because there's nothing good to wear? So when people are genuinely excited about a product, put it on their feet, right? Yeah. I, I'll say the same thing about um, um, Hal Studios. Hopefully I'm saying it right. But like I, I looked into it. I pre-ordered, by the way, never heard of them in my life before. Um, I just know they made a really nice Asics collab. It came across my desk one morning. It was October 5th and it was advanced order. Um, and it said the shoes uh, would ship between April and May. I did a little research. It looked like the first collaboration was super limited because, again, they just didn't know how many pr to produce, played it safe, ended up reselling. They made another colorway, and they're like, you know, what? we're not going to do this again. And they did a pre-order. And I and I supported that pre-order um, in October, and my pair shipped this morning at, at 7 a.m. So I'm going to get it a little early. They said delivery um, late April and May. But again... Um, that helps build brand. That helps build um, really the support of of a of that brand within within a consumer. Um, but Nike doesn't need that. <laughs> Nike doesn't yeah. need that at all. Nike Nike's established, right? If if everyone had lost and found ones, who's buying mids and lows, right? Um, that ex that establishes an aesthetic that other consumers can appreciate. Now, to counter you on that. I do think there's a balance that could be had um, around that. Um, you could say, I guarantee lost and found ones, whatever they did, if they did a pre-order today for 24 hours and then shipped pairs in a year, I guarantee in a year, more people would want it and there would still be demand and it would, it would be held in a, in a high regard. Now, you know, there's some, there's some trickiness to that. It, it could backfire, but I do think there's a balance that, that the brands could find to leverage that data of like, how much should we actually make? Because it's in no one's best interest that a shoe resells for for double retail. It's just not right. Maybe a thirty percent markup, a forty percent markup. Um, you know, we, we we can we can argue about that all day. But um, when when things are going for for like double or triple retail, I just think that's money on the table, and there's revenue to be had. Um, there's revenue to be had always, and they want that. They're always looking to grow. Yeah, and I think we have to take a quick step back really quick. Um, we got ahead of ourselves just to remind people because there are so many new people into sneaker culture. What yeah. did a release look like 
even just a year or two ago, right? You you would basically get a shock drop and then a series of raffles, and then maybe a couple of years ago you started seeing those delays and restocks trickle in, but that was about it, right? Yeah, I mean, look, there was the shock drop um, game was was a fun one in. Uh, 2019 2018 2019 2020 that, that was a, a lot of stuff happening like that um whether it was easy or, or, or nike um definitely not as many raffles um pandemic created supply chain issues obviously locked people in kept them out um and it started to create more and more raffles because the question has always been raffles exist to make it as fair as possible for as many people to have a chance to purchase a shoe and again i would argue what is what is that what is that balance where uh, a pre-order makes sense in, in that storytelling and um you know there's a um i don't know if, I, if i'm getting ahead of myself again but um we have some member comments because we asked this question what do you think about it and i would say 95 percent of members were positive and supportive of of the pre-order concept well go ahead and share some of the ones that stood out to you the most um again shout out to the soul savvy members who, who shared some of their insights because I truly do believe anytime we're looking for insights about sneaker culture, going directly to the soul savvy community is going to the source, right? You get people from all walks of life who just genuinely love shoes. So they're they're going to tell it to you straight. Yeah. So, so I, I prefaced my question with my comments, which is it helps the brands and, and, the, and the retailer, whoever it is, they generate revenue. It helps the consumer because you're guaranteed to get, to get what you want, albeit at a delay. And it hurts resellers because it's going to inevitably lower profit because you have access to the thing that you want because it's guaranteed, right? So we we, we saw um, a various, various people supporting of that. Um, Sarah said um, she loves it for all the reasons that I mentioned, as well as it makes her truly reevaluate if mm. it's a pair that she really wants versus a reflex rage cop due to FOMO of the W, right? And we see that all the time. It's like there's a hot ticket item every week. And you get fixated on that and you might take an L and then you you honestly are thinking about just buying it to fill some sort of void, right? Um, not because you truly want it. So again, that pre-order makes people genuinely think about, do I want it? And I think an opportunity to say what we've seen in sneaker culture the last, let's say, three years is the concept of trade bait. Yeah. Um, it's crazy to see people buying things just to trade them and not even want them um and then ultimately get into a place where it's like well i want to win and it's like that's just you're never going to get a trade done if you're trying to win trades have to be equal or maybe even take a little bit of a of an l to get the thing that you want because at the end of the day we just want to wear our shoes again uh desk lime said i'll take a pre-order over resale any day of the week i just wish they had done this for the kith new balance that came out um last week i would have pre-ordered those in a second but i'm not paying crazy crazy resale on them though right um and you can make that case um from johnny fab here he says imagine if nike did this with the sb4s after a sellout i'd pre-order the shoe in particular in a heartbeat directly from the brand even if it meant i wouldn't get them in hand for months later it's better than overpaying for resale um and i agree i agree with him to, to your question like does the jordan 4 sb pine green need to be like protected by the brand could they not restock it in 60 days and or later this year? For, give it some time to marinate. Maybe later in October, they offer a pre-order ships next spring. What What is, do you see any harm in that? I, again, to my point earlier, I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm just saying yeah. that there is a massive incentive for brands to create um, FOMO and to create hype for the next drop. 
um, especially on collab drop, right? When you when you drop a collab as a collab as a brand for the most part, um, you're not dropping that collab as like a strictly revenue generator. You're dropping it down as a trickle down effect to the rest of the inline con- um, inline shoes you're gonna see. So you're counting on most people missing them and then settling for something else. But when it comes to just a fairness standpoint, of course I agree with that. And there are a lot of shoes that I would sign up for that for. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it, it all goes back to us assuming that these brands are just like thinking and looking at it through a sneakerheads perspective. They're looking at it. How can we leverage the hype that sneakerheads create to mm-hmm. turn this particular drop into multiple, multiple, multiple moments for different silhouettes. So yeah. um, again, I agree with all of it. I, I don't see it happening. Um, let, let's dive into another one that we've talked about before. It kind of came and went, but what were your thoughts and why do you think they might've stopped the ALD New Balance uh, pre-orders from a couple of years ago? I mean, that one for me was an example of potentially not a well-executed pre-order which is it took way too long like it, it it really dragged on to the point where it was beyond that you forgot it was like and this is a comment that came from um uh, sambo og uh, which can be tied to the the 550 and ald specifically i feel like trends can change pretty dramatically within that long of a window um to his point he says i suppose the sambas are classic but to ALD, the 550 went from like the hottest shoe to not really within the sneaker bubble. So a lot of people pre-ordered 550s. And by the time they got them, the allure and the the magic or the lust was was gone because the market had really been ultimately flooded with pairs in different colorways or in similar colorways. Um, so I think that's why they've slowed it down. And I think that's one of the key things for a pre-order, which... Um, we can dive into from a Soul Savvy Garrickson experience perspective that's key for Kith here is like that window of four to six months. I, I would love to see it be three to four months and, you know, over pro- or under promise, over deliver, whatever the, the saying is, because I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on it right now, but waiting a long time sucks. Yeah. Well, I, I'm never one to play devil's advocate ever. Because okay. I just think like if the, if the, the right way is serving the greater good of people or the greater majority of people, then there's no need for that. However, didn't you just make a case pre-order is kind of killing a silhouette potentially? And, I, and again, the 550 was everywhere. They released it as a high, which I really knew right off the back wasn't going to hit the same as a low. Yeah. But the Samba is in a similar place right now. Obviously, a, a way more has a has a lot more history um, than the 550 did before it was reintroduced. But it's really having a moment. It's across multiple cultures. Fair. Is the is the ALD example uh, a, a warning to say, hey, when your shoe is hot? Make sure it's still hard to get for a couple of years versus what they did about a year in. They they offered that pre-order. And now that shoe is not hot, as hot as it is anymore. And we as sneakerheads can sit here and pretend like, oh, well, it's okay now because everybody gets one. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's such a beautiful world. But when's the last time you reached for a 550? Yeah, so yeah. there's two sides to it. And I obviously can relate and see both sides of it. But it, it, these, these brands have in business analysis and focus groups and, yeah. and sales data to support what it, what is and what isn't working so i i still have my um concerns about what pre-order model looks like for the sneaker culture as a whole and let's just get into pros and cons right off the top of your head if you were pitching a brand on on pre-ordering what are the top two or three pros what are the top two or three cons in your opinion if you're just a consultant not your shoe not your profits just just your expertise i mean pro profits 
<laughs> you're maximizing revenue and you're you're decreasing risk of holding dead inventory um, and not selling out. Like that's a massive uh, reason to, to do it. Con, to your point is it can have a negative impact um, for the brand or the silhouette. And I, and I, I would pose the question, did the 550 um, hype die down because of a pre-order or everything else that occurred around it? Right. And or was that just the wrong model um, from a pre-order perspective? Right. Because I think the comments we're seeing from from members is it's got to be the right shoe. Right. It can't just be be anything. Yeah. I mean, those are the, the two first quick pro cons that come to mind for me um, because it just ultimately helps. It, it, it Profit is king. Revenue growth is yeah. king over everything. That's uh, when it comes down to it, they're going to look at it the bottom line and go, OK. Um, it's not about making a guess. Um, it's about actually fully delivering and selling through because that's that's a big driver, right? Not holding on to inventory, having to send it to the outlets, having to make it disappear at the outlets, basically, um, it, it, it is part of that. Collect is a first-of-its-kind peer-to-peer member marketplace app that allows you to buy, sell, and trade your sneakers, a first in the industry with no fees paid to Soul Savvy. On top of that, you can showcase and manage your entire collection from the app. We built this to empower buyers so prices are lower and more fair. Learn more about Collect at www.soulsavvy.com collect. Yeah, when you brought up something that, that we haven't touched on yet, which is extra inventory. So where are we? Do you want to just give the audience a glimpse into where we are right now when it comes to all of the inventory people are sitting on? I mean, it's bad. Um, just bad for two reasons. Um, one is there's a lot of late inventory showing up from past seasons to stores that, again, is just like out of season. Um, and they're not expecting to have it. So that that is challenging. And two, um, you're always ordering, uh, you're putting in your POs, your purchase orders um, from a boutique level or a store level months in advance, nine to 12 months in advance, right? A lot can change. Uh, obviously, we've seen what's changed in sneakers in the past 12 months. The same thing could happen um, again for good or bad, um, which can be challenging for for managing inventory, um, whether that's space or, or dollars for for boutiques. Um, which is why, you know, we've had stores reach out to us and, and say, what do you think of this? Do people actually want this or will want this? And even as we speak right now, we're offering um, the Jordan one women's atmosphere. It's like the pink uh, inspired by the, why is it fading me? The all-star Charlotte um, Jordan one, you know, the the name of it. Um, but it's, it's going to be fairly accessible, right? And and stores are asking themselves, should I order more? Like we're at that point, should I order more of this pair or am I going to risk it not selling out and having to discount it, right? No one wants to discount their brand, whether you're um, Nike or Hal Studios, right? It, it, you want to be seen as premium and, and selling through and maintaining demand, right? And inventory plays a, plays a big part in that. We can look at Ama Manier right now um it's clear either it was oversupplied or had not as much demand which could tie hand in hand but it really did not hit in certain sizes in smaller sizes right it was a lot more demand in in larger sizes obviously being a women's collab collaborative shoe 
And um, we're seeing a lot of stores that have nine W and under sitting, right? How could how could that have been avoided? Um, one, obviously, from a brand perspective, you don't want that to happen. But two, I mentioned earlier, from an environment materials perspective, we just talked about this in depth at Garrickson, um, which is like, you have to order materials and hit go and, and buy all this stuff. It's just excess waste. It doesn't need to to be done, right? There's a whole environmental impact to that stuff. And we never think about that as sneakerheads, but that's wasteful, right? Yep. And um, again, uh, the Garrickson team asked me this morning, we're working on a, on a little secret project. And they said, how many pairs do you want to make? Because I'm trying the opposite. Let's not do a pre-order. Let's just yeah. drop it. And I'm kind of sweating. I'm like, should I make 300? Should I make a hundred and just let it sell out and like whatever, whoever gets it, gets it. Um, but that's obviously like not what we're about. I want everyone to be able to get it, but do I want to make 300 and be stuck with 200? Right. It, it, it is, it is really tough. Um, and that's the dilemma brands uh, and stores go through all the time because I mean, a lot, a lot can change. That's the, that's the con to pre-orders ultimately for me, whether it's four to six months, six to nine months, one to two years because we can get bread fours next year a lot can change a lot can change yeah that goes into one of my one of my cons is uh like obviously i'm aligned with you on the inventory nobody wants to be sitting on discounted inventory because we know how fast trends change number two is just the fact that trends change right when this shoe drops like i look at shoes that were like you were like this is gonna sound really really like you have too many shoes if this is how you feel but even almost seeing a lost and found now feels like, all right, like that moment has passed. I'm not saying that like, I'll never wear them. I'm just saying I'm going to let them breathe for a little bit because again, part of, part of um, sneakers is wanting to stand out, look different, express yourself. And it's hard to do that when a million other people are, are also expressing themselves, whether that's truly who they are, they're just getting into it. They like the way they look, et cetera. I'm not here to judge. So I think that that has a, a potential to have a negative impact on the silhouette. Like we talked about the new balance. I just want to make it clear. I don't think that the pre-order is what killed the new balance 550 or neutralized it. I just thought it was a coincidence that was worth talking about yeah, for or, sure. or, or it could have played a small role. The other thing is user experience. It's definitely a con, right? Like we live in the instant gratification. Yes. Um, like stage of consumerism and for me as soon as i hit go on a shoe man i'm checking yeah every day and i don't know but after four if four or six months those are different those are big differences maybe at four months i'm like so excited it's going to be this fit's going to be that fit and then six months and then it, it turns from a positive really really excited to get that shoe into a negative what's taking so long so that's another con for me is just the, the idea of and we know how common delays are right um with with a pandemic with uh, weather etc and then the other one is brand support right like again i, I don't I, i'm not doing this to 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 specifically call out ronnie and kith because uh, who who might have called them out right they're, they're masters of what they do but i'm saying in six months is ronnie going to be moved on to another major project we know he is because again he, he is the the, he's the hit maker one of the hit makers in the industry of course he's going to have something else there that he has to support that he has to post that he has to wear at, at you know whether it's a courtside next game or whatever so when you get this shoe is that moment already going to be gone and now he's rocking another adidas or an a6 or whatever or is there a follow-up colorway so when you get it you're like cool i got the og the next yeah, one's coming yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like is that now becoming part of people's camp uh, marketing campaigns Boom, create a lot of hype, let it die for a little bit, but then revamp that hype in four months so people are actually excited again to get them shoes because people at the end of the day are, are way less excited about a shoe 
um, when the people who made that shoe were not wearing it. We saw that with the Kanye effect. As soon as started, mm-hmm. Kanye stopped wearing the shoes, like they just looked less cool. And that's the same for, for a, a shoe that Ronnie made. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair, it's a fair con from a brand perspective, which is like the way we're structured in sneakers right now is by no means um, positive to add pre-orders to the store because you're constantly being, your attention is being pulled to something else and you want something else and you want something new and something else is the shiny um, trophy of of the sneaker purchase pickup that in four to six months, it's not going to be the same. So that, that can hurt that can hurt a brand. Now, when you were saying that, it, it kind of hit me. I'm like, damn, what if there's a fourth colorway that they're going to drop in four to six months when the pre-orders go out? And it's like, oh, you missed out on the pre-order? Bam, here's another thousand pairs of of this other colorway just just to kind of follow follow up with that. But um, I, I definitely I, I definitely agree. Um, it, it's a challenge. And obviously, if this was a no-brainer between like everyone should do pre-orders, I mean, everyone would be doing them. It, it, yeah. it's challenging and, it, and it's hard um and i think part of why it's hard is like it would require such a seismic shift in the space if all we knew was pre-orders and what i was buying today was something about six months ago oh sorry what was arriving today was something yeah. about six months ago and what i was buying today was arriving six months if that's the world we lived in it would be completely acceptable but the reality is we live in instant gratification yeah. and the adrenaline rush of hitting on a big shoe however you do it, whether it's a raffle win or a shock drop or a monitor cop, whatever it is, feels fucking good. Sometimes, honestly, might be better than the shoe actually arriving um, yeah. because it's just, it's the rush of that. Uh-huh. And I think, it's, yeah. I think it's why members love assisting each other because it's like, you know what? I don't want that. I don't have to spend my own money, but I can feel great about doing it, right? And that's yeah. completely gone when it's going to show up in six months. You're like, ah, shit, I'm out 200 I'm out 250 yeah. bucks right now and I don't have anything to wear. <laughs> I think it has to be a special shoe, right? It has to be like a limited amount. And people, uh, pre-order doesn't have to mean unlimited too. Pre-orders can sell out. We could say, hey, we're doing half a million pre-orders of the band one. Sure, to that's drop true. On 1018, you will have your shoe by band day 1018. And they would sell out half a million pairs, right? Or mm-hmm. a million or whatever it is they wanted to do. So there's different ways to play with it. For me, I think it would have to be like, oh, Kobe's are coming back in August. Secure your pair now. Of course, I'm signing no. But a silhouette that I'm being introduced to for the first time, I don't know if I, if I'm as excited. Unless again, it's like a game changing design that has changed everything um, for that particular shoe or that particular uh, lane of shoes. Then, like you know, I, I, I'm going to be in regardless. But again, like I don't know if, for sure. I don't know. I'm doing. Am I doing that for a lot? Am I doing a pre order for Lost and Found one? No questions asked. For a royal one, no questions asked. Am I doing a pre-order for a new Jordan silhouette that was using a different brand's out? So, like, just to relate to the kit thing, yeah. I don't know if I want it that bad. Because I'm also assuming that a lot of people are buying this shoe as trade bait, so there will be pairs around if my mind changes. So, it, it goes back to just all these shoes in the market, Here's, which your yeah. sneakerhead who buys excessively is not necessarily the worst thing in the world. But, yeah. again, it isn't really – not everybody is able to – to, to look at shoes that way. Yeah, um, I know. So, um, it, it's interesting. I do want to, as we wrap up, I do want to talk about what you've learned from the pre-order process on a much different scale, but with our CJ So Cool SS4 in partnership with Garrickson and some of the other pre-orders we've done with members, what, what, what have you noticed about that process? Because the first thing that I'll say before I, I hand it off to you is just consumer behavior. People are not used to ordering things six months in advance. Maybe you plan a vacation that early, Man. but you, I don't even make restaurant reservations that far in advance. If I can't eat it in the next couple of days, I really don't want it that bad. 
And the same thing goes for shoes. So I have noticed that a lot of people, even though they sign up for a pre-order, don't actually understand what that means yet. And because um, technically everything's a pre-order, right? There's still going to be a, a time between, between the ships. You're not just going to get it instantly. But yeah, what, what, what are some of the things you've noticed? I mean, look, there's only, I think, two things that are coming to mind to me right now that are actual pre-orders in life. It's vacations and it's concerts. Yep. Nothing else do you pay for six to 12 months in advance and, and are even remotely thinking about that, especially in the day and age we're living in right now where um, reading a tweet over 280 characters is difficult for people. Yep, yep. Um, so I think from our perspective, it, I think it's, I mean, one, it's hard, right? Because you got to balance like accessibility and demand and and ultimately it comes back to like, no one wants, it's not about uh, pairs not selling out. It's just like wasted materials and time and inventory and, and all that that comes with it. Right. So finding that right balance of it um, ultimately it, it is really tough. And for me, the biggest learning is like, you know, we were sitting in that room and we were talking about how do we go from approved sample for the, for the, for the collaborators that we have coming to like pre-order people are selling and shipping as quickly as possible and, and, and shout out to Dan, he goes, okay, the timeline there is 12 to 14 weeks from like approved pre-order to sale. And I went, wait, whoa, that's way too long, three months. And 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 he kind of shot back like, ask Nike how long that takes them. I think he said, yeah. 50, I think they've spent years, he said they spent years trying to go from 52 weeks to 48 in yeah, it's it's definitely on a different scale, uh, yeah. different level of units. But it, this made me think about a point too, is like pre-order doesn't work for like 99% of personality selling shoes. Yeah. It only works for someone like Ronnie, of course, who has a, a, a loyal following or some of the creators we're working with where their audience trusts them. Yeah. But like the average person who's just looking for a hit, yeah. whether that be a smaller brand, an upcoming brand, etc. Like let's look at Solomon, for example, one of the hottest like I wouldn't even say up and coming because they're not new, but as far as like mainstream sneaker culture, one of the hottest brands right now, I don't think they could do a pre-order right now. They're still too early. Most oh. people are still haven't gotten their first pair unless you're like really in on the inside, like shout out to you. For sure. Don't come after me. But what I'm saying is like, if you're Dior and Jordan, you can do a pre-order, but can, if you're Zion and Jordan, can you do a pre-order? No, you can't. So it's like, we talk about the idea of pre-ordering, like it's, uh, something that everybody can just do only like the top 0.1% of shoes would work in a pre-order because there has to be an excessive amount of demand ahead of time for that, for that to take well, place. I think there's a different place to it. Let's look at Dornbecker, right? Yeah. Uh, again, to use this example, every year, the collection there's, um, we could say one or two or maybe three really like standout pairs that captures the sneaker culture's attention and everyone wants and ends up reselling. And there's a couple that don't maybe end up on outlets, may end up, may end, up uh, end up on sale. That takes away from the charitable donation that goes to um, Dornbecker. Again, if when they announced this collection in October, I think it was um, was the event when when everything was revealed late October. Um, is there any harm to that have being uh, done a pre order? Right, guaranteed money to charity, guaranteed access to the silhouettes. And again, it, we could go in circles because people, no one wanted the Vimero in October, November, December, January, February. Yeah. That's mid, true, man. Like that pre-order probably would, that pre-order probably would have, would it wouldn't have hurt. done so hard. Would have hurt the but shoe. Now, yeah, there's people that didn't even know that silhouette existed that are now like have multiple in the rotation. I mean, look, I'm the one who tweeted, "I will not buy another Vimero. I will not <laughs> buy another Vimero. I will not buy another Vimero." Um, but yeah, I, you're right. It it is not a like 
if we moved all, all, yeah. yeah i think if we moved all shoes to pre-orders there would be such chaos around like wait a minute why is that really nice inline shoe reselling for 500 oh it's because we only made a thousand units because barely anyone wanted it like stuff has to sit on the wall um but i do think there's a thoughtful evolution that can occur to this um to find to find that balance um i don't know who's gonna find it but um i like the fact that ronnie and and um uh kith adidas clark's tried it and i think it's something that we're also trying to find the balance of right yeah. we want customers to get their cj so cools or whoever shoe right away um but we also have no need to hold on to an extra thousand pairs right it's yeah. really yeah. about finding that balance and um yeah not everyone's flown in the billions like nike and adidas there are certain brands out there you know ourselves included that can't afford for for us to be uh or for them to be under under um what they predicted by a thousand pairs that's a lot of freaking pairs of shoes and a lot of money when the audience has potentially moved on so again not as easy as it sounds but i'm really glad to see people who can take that risk yeah like like ronnie and like clark's and adidas do it because that's how we're that's how we're going to move forward into new ways to for people to get the shoes they want yeah and i'm not going to name the store i'm going to say there's a store that did a collaboration with a brand okay super generic i was speaking with them and they were like it was really stressful putting in our order for how many pairs we wanted because if we were wrong and didn't sell out, it could bankrupt us. Yep. No. Right. Because, yep. and what, you know what happened? The shoe ended up reselling for $600, sold out in 30 seconds. And they're like, fuck. But the risk of potentially having a warehouse full of things no one wants and doesn't know how to get rid of, and you owe a brand a fat check, that's, that's very scary for small business owners. And I say that from like a boutique perspective. I think the only company that can afford to take an L um companies that can afford to take an L on pre-orders is like the big conglomerates, the yeah. Nikes, yeah. Adidas, um, ASICs, New Balance. But even then, as you go down that line, it, it does become tricky. And regardless of all that, it's just a waste of um the environment, materials, time, resources, et cetera, et cetera. It's tough, man. It's tough. It's tough. It really is. Yeah. And and people don't understand too with, with these boutiques, they are small businesses for the most yeah. part. They have one or two doors. Um, and and they rely on a very local uh, customer base. People don't understand like when it comes to collabs, not everyone. It's not like a a, a strict hey, you get a percentage, you do this. Sometimes the collab, the payments and product. Sometimes it's half product, half money. So again, like you said, if you're placing an order and saying hey, my store can sell even five thousand of these, that could end a store if they're if yeah. they're if, if they're customer base doesn't show up for them or, or doesn't like the shoe. So there's a lot of things that. Yeah. that come to play here but uh like we've said multiple times today the ones that can take that risk like ronnie uh and, and adidas and clarks are taking it and that's how that's how we start to prove what's the best way moving forward to do this because this is definitely not the end of it and, and i'm excited to see what happens yeah i think a lot of opportunity to, to experiment and i think a, a key thing for me is like it's a it's also about support right yeah um it, it it's 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 gonna vary brand to brand and how big they are how small they are but there's a lot of opportunity and um i think we've seen that with like a new balance um down collaboration there's some pairs that resell for a lot and some that don't are almost below retail and the difference is just they made more that's it yeah <laughs> right and and how does that impact a brand it's uh i think a lot a lot's going to be learned over the next 
Yeah. Let's the perfect say, amount doesn't exist. You're never going to hit the exact number of people that wanted it. So in a, from a brand's perspective, the perfect amount is more than they wanted to, but still sells out instantly or, or sells out quickly. Right. Because yeah. again, there, there, there's no way to predict how many people are going to buy the trends change so fast. I mean, look, the bodega owner on a, in a New York times article said, we didn't want our shoe to, to take 30 minutes to sell out because it looks bad. And I've heard yeah. that said privately. It's like, yo, if it's not gone in 10 minutes, remove it from sneakers, bad, remove it from the shelves. It's a bad whatever. look. And but again, we've collectively, I say we as the sneaker industry culture have contributed to that For sure. mindset, which is like so fucked up. And you said this in Philly, there's gonna be a whole generation of sneakerheads. Um, they're going to talk about, Hey, remember when that shoe was going for 500 bucks? Or you remember when that shoe bricked and it was below retail, like people are gonna be having those conversations. And those are such dumb conversations. They have nothing to do with the, the quality of a sneaker and what it matters, but here we are yeah. here. We yeah. Are. Well, hopefully, yeah, hopefully the tide is shifting and then. Um, in a few years, people will like be looking back at, at some of these pre-orders and saying, remember when that kind of changed the way that we bought shoes and made it a little bit more fair? And this yeah. is a success and something that continues to evolve. So in the meantime, uh, stay tuned to Soul Savvy because we'll be covering this stuff as it progresses, as new ways to release shoes um, comes out. And and as always, as a reminder, if, if you're tired of paying resale for sneakers and, and want a better chance at doing that, soulsavvy.com. we got a suite of tools uh, that are going to help you do that. Great plug. I love it. I love it. Thanks everyone for um, joining us for, for this episode of podcast talking about pre-orders. We will definitely be back with more industry news and topics. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Soul Savvy Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on social media at Soul Savvy with one V on all platforms. To learn more about Soul Savvy and join our community, please visit www.soulsavvy.com slash join.